98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing. Proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. And end today's 4 o'clock reset with news from the Phoenix Suns. Starting with the news from the Suns. Baxter Holmes reported today. Phoenix Suns Vice Chairman and Minority Owner Sam Garvin has been appointed the team's interim governor during majority owner Robert Sarver's suspension. Garvin was one of many minority owners who initially supported Robert Sarver via a statement when the allegations and investigation first begun. And I don't believe, Gambo, there's much of a surprise with the selection of Sam Garvin as the interim governor over the next year. No, he's someone that was supportive of Robert as one of the co-owners. It was always going to be someone that, that Robert appointed that that he was close with. And you know, like I said, I, I, I still can't imagine any major decision would go on without Robert's okay. Uh, but it was never going to be anybody the NBA put in charge. It was going to be somebody that Robert basically agreed to put in charge. From the Arizona Diamondbacks. Swing and a drive to right at the fence. Diamondbacks walk it off. A three-round homer by Sergio Alcantara. Sergio, I loved it. Uh, it was I great. Loved it. Wasn't it fifth uh, walk-off this year for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but Sergio Alcantara with the walk-off last night to beat the L.A. Dodgers and avoid the sweep. 5-3 was the final. Yeah, did you see McCarthy almost steal home? Yes, oh, I my did. God, that would have been something else. I said, I said, I that would have been something else. The catcher lobs the ball back, and, and McCarthy, t- it was so close. It was such a close play. Oh, it would have been amazing. You could just see him there. One of these days, he's going to get one. He's just so fast, but he got cut down trying to steal home. Home. But then Alcantara, two outs, three-run homer. I, I love that it was off of Kimbrel because I, I don't know, every time I see Kimbrel do that little thing where he kind of takes his hand and he puts it to the ground. Like, what are you just throwing a pitch to ball? What are you doing? What are you doing? It was a good game for Corbin Carroll last night. He had the home run. He had some real good defense in the outfield. Oh, my God, he was great defensively. Well. He was really good defensively. I made a couple of really nice catches. So they avoid the sweep against the Dodgers. And now tonight, another anticipated debut. Dre Jamison getting the start for the D-backs against the San Diego Padres. He'll face off against lefty Sean Manaya. He, of course, is the third top pitching prospect to make his major league debut over the last several weeks for the Diamondbacks, and certainly one of the most anticipated. This guy throws really, really hard. Yeah, number 34 pick in the 2019 draft. Had a pretty high ERA between you know Amarillo and Reno, but they're going to say a lot of that is because it's uh you know those are those are hitters parks. But he's 25 years old, man, and he's got a great fastball. So uh, you know upper 90s, you might see see him hit 96, 97 tonight. Looking forward to the Diamondback, another top prospect getting an opportunity this year. You love it. Cardinal injury updates from today's practice as they get ready for the Raiders on Sunday. Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator on JJ Watts. He's close. He's practicing. Obviously JJ wants to play every game and play every snap. So, you know, we got to be careful with him to make sure he's right to play. And safety, Jalen Thompson. I'm not sure. He's missed two days. So when you miss two days of football practice, it's always tough to come back and play at full speed on Sunday. So we'll see about him tomorrow. The three guys, Gambo, who did not practice today, and I'm looking at the injury report right now. Andy Isabella, Rondale Moore, 
Jalen Thompson. They followed up yesterday's DNP with a DNP today. Everybody else was either back or limited. Kelvin Beecham, Rodney Hudson, Zach Ertz practiced in full. JJ was limited. Trayvon Mullen was limited. Justin Pugh was limited. A much better looking injury report, but still those three guys. And Jalen Thompson in particular, kind of the one that stands out on this list right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a guy you could ill afford to lose. I mean, you are, well, your cornerbacks are a weakness. The safety is, is a strength for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Buda had a great game last week and led the team in tackles and had to make way too many, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, him and Jalen Thompson are a terrific combination. The J.J. Watt news is, is the big one. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute. they they got to get him back. Yeah, they do. Seahawks safety Jamal Adams expected to miss the rest of the season with a quadriceps tendon injury. That is not money well spent for the Cardinals division rival. No, that is uh, that's a that's that's a big blow to them if they had some aspirations of competing this year that he's going to have that season-ending uh, surgery. He went down. He was pressuring R- Russell Wilson. I remember he was like limping to the sideline. They had to cart him to the locker room, and they gave up two first-round draft picks to get him. And he signed a big contract extension. and And he's you know he hasn't been available a whole lot. It's been a pretty much pretty big disappointment for them. And basically the same week that Serena Williams announced her retirement from the sport of tennis? This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. Roger Federer announcing his retirement from tennis today. 20 Grand Slam titles and of course the golden era of men's tennis with Rafael Nadal. Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and Roger Federer. He retires today with 20 Grand Slams to his name, Gambo. You could absolutely make an argument that he's the greatest men's player of all time. There's a bunch of them. But you can make the argument that he is the greatest men's player of all time with those 20 Grand Slam championships. And then, you know, you look at Serena leaving the game and now Federer leaving the game. Um, But, you know, he I I would say, you know, he's one and and, and Nadal and Jokovic are right there with two, two, three, and then you've got Sampras and Borg, and you know, eventually you get to Agassi and and, and McEnroe. I mean, it's I I, lo- I love tennis. I like you. I really love tennis, but I think that Roger Federer will go down as the greatest men's tennis player. But our top story of the day today comes to us from the Phoenix Suns as the reaction continues to. I'm not going to say pour in because there hasn't been a lot today. We've got a little bit of an update on that that I'll give at the end of the segment here. But last night after we were done with our show, Chris. Paul got on Twitter, in fact, only about 20 minutes after our show ended last night, and he chimed in on the Robert Server one-year suspension by the NBA from the Phoenix Suns. Here's what his two tweets read, and I quote, Like many others, I reviewed the report. I was and am horrified and disappointed by what I read. This conduct, especially towards women is unacceptable and must never be repeated. I am of the view that the sanctions fell short in truly addressing what we can all agree was atrocious behavior. My heart goes out to all of the people that were affected. Close quote. Not soft by any stretch of the imagination, but some surprise that it wasn't a little harder on Sarver and the Suns. 
I, I, did, does everybody just expect that everybody's going to come out and say he needs to sell his franchise right now organization? I mean, maybe some people expect that. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of people that have been very hard on, hard on him. LeBron James didn't go as far as to say that, and neither did Chris Paul. But the good thing is that they spoke out. I think that shows a lot, especially with Chris Paul in the organization. I think it shows a lot of support for you know, all of the people involved, you know, that, that felt um, that they were they were a target of some of the abuse that was laid on them. I think that Chris is showing support by making a statement right away. I think he's showing all of those employees um, support. He didn't go as far as to say that I'm not going to play for this organization if he's still the owner or anything like that. I think these guys are being, you know, very careful careful with that. But I do think there are a lot of people that are expecting them to to go that far. Yeah, and I'm being very careful about what I'm saying because I'm not expecting a player to do that. That's that's not my place to ask a player to do that because that's a big burden to put on anybody. It's more of a curiosity to see if they will. And you're right, LeBron. He was hard on Sarver yesterday, but he didn't come right out and say take the franchise away from him. Chris Paul hard. On server yesterday, he didn't say that, and, and that's up to those individuals and any player whether they want to make that bold declaration or whether they want to choose to boycott the Suns because of something like this. Of course, also yesterday during our show, the executive uh, director of the Players Association in the NBA. Now, this was a little strong. I have made my position known to Adam Silver regarding my thoughts on the extent of the punishment and strongly believe that Mr. Sarver should never hold a managerial position within our league again. Close quote. That's probably the toughest statement from a person in power that we've heard on this. Because coming out right, basically saying... Mr. Sarver shouldn't be in charge of anything ever again in our league. That's stronger than what LeBron did. That's stronger than what Chris Paul did. It's unfair that the burden of this is going to fall on the players, but the uh, some of the burden of this is going to fall on the players, and how they react is a crucial part of this whole story. Yeah, they're a piece of the pie, right? If you yes. pie chart it... If you pie chart it, I know you like pie charts, you've got the pressure that could come from the media. You have the pressure that could come from the players. You have the pressure that could come from advertisers and sponsors. You have the pressure that could come from other owner, uh, minority owners of the team. And maybe there's pressure somewhere else, too. But I think, you know, that you're going to see that. I mean, pressure from players, uh, pressure from fans, players, fans, media, minority owners, and sponsors and advertisers. That's your pie, right? Who has the biggest piece of that pie? I'm still going to say no matter what that it's 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 the the advertisers and the sponsors because ultimately, you know, their decision is that that's money, right? That that money Robert Sarver's done a nice job of, of Robert Sarver's done a nice job of making people a lot of money that that own, that are part owners in the Phoenix Suns. You, you can't say he's he financially ruined the organization in any way, but if there is any damage done, it would become if advertisers and sponsors decided to part ways when we come back how close is jj watts in making his 2022 debut how important is it for him and them that that debut happens sooner rather than later we'll talk about that coming up on the burns and gambo show 98.7 fm arizona sports station burns and gambo 
Yeah, yeah, and no, that was it's very tough. I mean, can't stand it, but glad it's over and very excited to get back on the field. That is the voice of JJ Watts, who was back on the field today for the Arizona Cardinals and gave some short but I guess sweet answers on whether he's gonna play this weekend. Are you hopeful of playing Sunday? Yes. Yes, I am hopeful that I'm gonna play on Sunday. Good. The yeah, Cardinals so could use JJ Watts. <laughs> yeah, we're hopeful too, JJ. We're all uh, we're I'm all hopeful you I'm you're hopeful playing. you I'm hopeful that you'll play too. I mean, you know, I haven't seen you play a whole lot since you since you signed here. I would have never expected that, you know, after 18 games of which he's been a part of the Cardinals, that JJ Watt would have one sack. I don't think I ever that I ever I ever thought that would happen. Now, obviously, he was injured last year. He missed a lot of games, and when he played, he wasn't as productive as you had hoped for. But there's still chance. There's still a chance. And I keep saying this: I'm very hopeful that JJ Watt doesn't end up being a total bust and a waste of 31 million dollars. Um, because when they signed him, they signed him for a reason. They they they, they felt like he still had the ability to be an impact player. Now, he's a great leader, and, and he works hard, and it's it's not for a lack of trying. I mean, he busted his ass to get back and play in that Rams playoff game, so there's a lot of credit to be given to him. But, we you know, we are seeing a guy It's you know at the end of his career. I mean, I can't imagine... You know, that, you know, right now that anybody's looking at J.J. Watt and saying, oh, I want to sign this guy for next year. If you're a team and you're looking for defensive line help, I mean, J.J. Watt's going to be 34 by the time next season starts. He'll be 33. He'll be 34 in March of next year. So he's about six months away from being 34. And he hasn't been that productive these last couple of years. So, you know, if he does want to continue to play, I think it's going to ha- he's going to have to go make an impact with the Cardinals to show that he can still play. He's such an easy guy to root for and and, and he, because he he cares. I mean, he really cares. And the fact that he busted his butt to get back for that playoff game the way he did, I think is proof positive of how much he cares and how I think he's got a lot of pride and I think that pride, and I don't know him personally, so I'm making all these personal judgments on him, but I get the impression that his personal pride is very wounded by how many games he's missed and how that's kind of come to define him in the second yeah. half of his career. I think I think that hurts him. So I, I, I appreciate his efforts to try to make us all forget that but it's unforgettable. I mean, it's unavoidable. He's he, you go and look at his stats with the Arizona Cardinals. There, there's no way they're getting their money's worth on this contract unless he does something extraordinary in the second year of this two-year deal. His stats with the Cardinals are as unremarkable as they get, and I, I know he wants them to be better. But so far, this is far more in the bus category than it is anything else for the Cards. Look, I'm going to be honest here, okay? And this is just the reality. Yeah, the, the things that I'm reminded most about J.J. Watt are, is that he kind of likes pink donuts and he had a rattlesnake in his bathroom. <laughs> and look, that's it. It's the truth. Hey, what do you remember about J.J. Watt's tenure with the Cardinals? He had a rattlesnake in his bathroom. And, you know, he had a thing where he he, he didn't get the right donut from, yeah. I think it was Zach Ertz or somebody. He didn't get the right donut. He was very upset. But he likes the strawberry frosted donut. What else do you remember? Nothing. No, you know what? I'll add one thing to that. And honestly, right now, and I said this a couple weeks ago, and I really believe this. You ask me right now what's the one thing I remember the most about J.J. Watt's time with the Cardinals? The day he chose the Arizona Cardinals. Right, yeah, it, I it, you said that. It, it, that that picture that he tweeted out of him at the squat rack, right? And he's got the Cardinals yeah. T-shirt on, and everyone was like, "Is this real? Is he coming here?" And it was very similar, I thought. 
So yeah. the day Shaquille O'Neal got traded to the Suns, and he's standing up in there in that suite, and he's pointing to the ring on his finger, you know, and and everyone at, at the in the building in the arena is going nuts because oh, there's Shaq, and he's pointing to his ring, and he's oh, he's gonna get one here. That was the high point of the Shaquille O'Neal era for the Phoenix Suns, and I fear that the high point of the J.J. Watt era for the Arizona Cardinals is going to be the day that he announced he was coming to the Arizona Cardinals, and how excited we were, because so far since then, there hasn't been much to speak of with J.J. Watt, and, and I, no. I, I, we, I want it to be different. I'm rooting for it to be different for him, but it hasn't been so far. No, but I think we got to call it like it is. Yeah. I mean, it's been a complete waste of money so far. There's still there's still some time left for him to come and impact and make a difference, and I hope he does. I mean, I want to talk about J.J. Watt having a three-sack game. I don't want to talk about J.J. Watt's donut selection. <laughs> I want to talk about J.J. Watt, you know, forcing a fumble and picking it up and returning it 40 yards for a touchdown, not talk about, hey, you had a rattlesnake in your bathroom. What did you do to get it out, you know? I, I want to I, I talk about that. I don't want to talk about, you know, hey, he, he did a video in an ice bath. He did a video showing Kyler Murray working out. Like, we don't... Our memories of J.J. Watt, like if you said, what's the first five memories? None of them have anything to do with football. Very little. Yeah, very little at all. The rest of the injury report, and um, it got better for the Cardinals, and we kind of had a feeling that it would get better because a lot of teams use that Wednesday as sort of a rest day for some of their veteran players. Here is the... um, the injury report in its totality. Uh, these were the guys that were at practice today. Kelvin Beecham was back. Rodney Hudson was back. Zach Ertz practiced in full today after not practicing yesterday. Okay, so there's All that. All good news. All good news. J.J. Watt was limited after a DNP yesterday. Trayvon Mullen Jr. was limited again today. They certainly could use him in the secondary. Justin Pugh was limited again today. Obviously getting him back and, and his status. Cliff made it sound yesterday like it was going to he kind of was leaning towards the probably not. At least that was the impression I got from Cliff yesterday, but we'll see if something changes with him this week. That would probably mean Max Garcia as your starting left guard. They just obviously signed him about a week ago. The three guys who who did not practice today. Andy Isabella, just like yesterday. Rondale Moore, just like yesterday. And Jalen Thompson did not practice again today with a toe injury. And I don't like that one bit, Gambo. No, Jalen Thompson's one of the one of the best base one of the, the best football players on this team. Okay, so not having him is is a, a big hurt. The other thing is just the, the depth of wide receiver. You know, we thought that they had a lot of depth, but think about it. Antoine Wesley is out. DeAndre Hopkins is out. You talked about Rondell Moore is out. If Andy Isabella is out, four wide receivers. Yeah, I know. Like we, I liked the depth going in. Like I liked it, but like I'm sitting here now saying like. I mean, do you have to just sign somebody now and just get a wide receiver in here? Like, you know, like after week four, yeah, you'll get guys back. But right now, no Hopkins for six weeks. You've got no Antoine Wesley. You've got no Rondale Moore. If Isabella's out, I mean, you're really tested, you know, with with your wide receiver depth. Week two of Bix Picks. It kicks off tonight. Text the word PICK to 620-620. Sign up. Compete against Dan Bickley for your chance. The grand prize, 75-inch TV. It's courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winner will also get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 620-620 and you can enter. When we come back, just because the punishment for Robert Server has been handed down, that is not the end of this story. Don't think it for a second. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. 
Let's uh, refresh our Twitter poll question of the day. Here on the Burns and Gambo Show, here's Eric Ruby. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. There was a column on Hoops Hype today um, about what superstar the Knicks should pursue next. And Gambo, I figured it was only a matter of time until something like this happened, until somebody in the media said, well, hey, look out. Suns are a mess. They could be ripe for the picking. And sure enough, there was a New York writer who suggested the Knicks could go after Devin Booker because of everything that's going on with Robert Sarver. As, as predictable as the sunshine here in the Valley. Right, you knew something like that was coming, but it beg, kind of begs the did question. You, did we? I did. did I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I could. I, you. I, 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 well, just. I mean, no. I mean, it's not like I'm pat myself on the back or anything. But I, that to me is a very. After all the years that we had to endure of people predicting the teams were going to cherry pick off the Suns to begin with, it doesn't surprise me at all that people think this is now an avenue for them to go get the Suns players because everyone's going to want out because of the server thing. It, it, that to me is just very. I, I, you could have seen that one coming. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I would have seen that. That's interesting. I don't know if I would have seen that this quickly. Yeah. I think it might have taken some time. All right, Eric, what's their poll question? Because it has something to do with that. Right. Obviously, the Sarver investigation, the reaction to it is ongoing, but we have to look down the road a little bit. Do you guys feel like everything that's going on right now will play an impact later down the road in recruiting and keeping players in Phoenix? You've got three options. Option number one, it'll make a major impact, influence many players for staying or leaving. And uh, second option, minor impact. Third option, no impact at all. It's a guess. It's just a guess. I think it's going to make a major impact. I think I think it's going to make a major impact. I think when if nothing else happens and Robert Sarver retains ownership of this team a year from now, I, I think that's going to be a bad look for the organization, and I think people are going to stay away because of it. I don't know if they're going to ask to leave. I just don't know if they're going to choose to come here and play for him. I, I think it's going to make a major okay. impact. Eric, I'm going to say no impact, and I'm going to base that on what I believe is a real solid structure in place with Monty Williams and James Jones and and. Chris and Devin and, and the group. I think that they'll that they, I think they're strong enough to overcome people not wanting to play here. That's fair. That's a good answer. What's our audience in? We've had one? some slight movement in this one, but still leading the way is major impact at forty two point seven percent. That dropped about four yep. percent. In second place, minor impact at thirty three point six percent, and in third place, no impact at twenty three point seven percent. But Bernsey, like you asked before, if you combine minor and no impact. It's the majority. So a minority thinks it would make a major impact long-term on the Suns. Yeah, I mean, when you split it into thirds like that, it, it, but but when you just combine the minor and the no versus the major, the, the minor and the no is is winning out. Um, we'll see. I, it, anybody, they're all educated guesses, but they're just guesses at this point. Um, Howard Beck is an NBA writer, longtime NBA writer. He was a guest this morning on the Bickley and Murata show. He actually wrote a terrific column about this whole Sarver mess. He was in attendance yesterday at the Adam Silver press conference. And like a lot of people, he thinks that this is the this is not the end of the story when it comes to Robert Sarver, that this is just in many ways the beginning. Because we're starting to see this sort of uh, you know groundswell of outrage, and especially from the players who are very important in this equation, 
I think maybe this is just the beginning and not the end. But that depends on a lot of different things, and it's not just the players. You you mentioned the pie chart earlier, Gambo. If we're going to pie chart this, there are a lot of different slices of pie that could that could impact whether Robert Sarver still owns this basketball team a year from now. Yeah, absolutely. It's and it's the thing that we've been like. Once this story came out, we we you know we talked a lot about it. Uh, took us some time, gather our thoughts, information, see what's going to happen. You know, it, we were on the air just a few hours after the story came out, and it was just everything was just moving so so fast and trying to gather information. And I, I talked with people very close to the situation, and we talked about this, the impact that these minority owners could have, and then we just kind of wait and see. I think right now you just you sit there, grab some popcorn. And you could kind of see what's going to happen. You, and you saw LeBron James make a statement. And you saw the NBA uh, Players Association uh, head make a statement. She made a statement. And you've seen Chris Paul make a statement. And now, now we've seen who Robert Sarver is appointed to run the organization in his absence. And so I think we just we got media day coming up in 11 days. And every player is going to be asked about it. And how do they respond? And so I think we are just sitting here and, and waiting. Because, yeah, it is a pie chart to me. Um, I, I, I know We know what the pun punishment is. We know what the punishment is. And maybe that's all it is. I mean, maybe it doesn't go any further than that. People speak out. It doesn't go any further than that. But maybe it does. We just at this point, we just are still unsure. No. And and I bring up the pie chart thing because I thought it was it was a good idea by you. I agree that if we're going to pie chart all the reasons why something could change in this story, I do think the largest slice of the pie are the sponsors, are the business partners, are, you know, are there any threats for a loss of revenue because of this? Are, are there threats of companies pulling out because of that? Because at the end of the day, money kind of talks when it comes to anything. And I would imagine if there's a real threat of a loss of money, then then that that might drive this a little bit. I think the player reaction is the other. And if the players come out and and continue to strongly kind of hammer the organization and and even suggest that they wouldn't play for the organization or suggest that there would be some sort of a well, we're not going to go there kind of thing, I think that could drive the minority owners to look around and realize, okay, we got to do something about this. We we can't just let this be because we're losing money and we might lose players. And I think those two slices of this pie, if you will, that the advertisers and the sponsors. Sponsors and the players. Those are the two biggest slices of the pie for me. Those are the ones that can drive this and dictate this more than anything. And so far, other than, and I don't want to minimize Chris Paul and LeBron James, they're two very big players. But other than them, we haven't heard a lot from the players, and we certainly haven't heard a lot about sponsors or partners or anything like that. So I think we're all still very much in a wait-and-see kind of mode for this one. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, right? We've heard from the media. We've heard from fans, and we've actually heard from some players when we pie chart this. The, the, the slices that are, that, are this, that are still there that haven't been picked up yet are, are the minority owners and the sponsors. So you pie chart it, right? And you, you know, you could take the slice of pie out of the pie, you know. We, those two slices are still there. We don't know what's, are those slices going to get eaten or are they going to stay in the box? We, we don't know, <laughs> no, right? No, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, but that, those two slices are, st- they're big slices. Those are big slices, right? 
I mean, that's Chicago-style slices right there. Yeah, that, that, those are those slices make up more than like half the deal, right? I, I, I think those are the two biggest components of this whole deal. And it'll force the minority owners into a position where they – or maybe nothing happens. And then the minority owners don't feel like they have to act on this one. But, yeah, those are the they, biggest slices, yeah. Yeah, listen, I do think that John the Joppy would like to act. The question is, does he have support amongst the other owners? And the other owners may be waiting and just waiting to see. Let's see what's going to happen. You know, they showed support for Robert in the in the past, and maybe they'll show support for Robert again. You know, and maybe you know, maybe they're all you know loyal to Robert. Maybe they've done, they made a lot of money with Robert. It's been a good investment. I mean, there's no financial irresponsibility here. I mean, Robert Sarber, you know, brought those people in, and those people have all they've made their money ten times. I mean, that, what's that franchise value? Where they bought the franchise for four hundred million dollars, right? Right now, it's worth and what's two billion. It worth now? It's worth at least two billion. Yeah, I mean, come on, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of people that think that you know Robert was always in it to sell. It. I mean, I, listen. I, I'll tell you flat out. I mean, he had told me that he was never, he wasn't going to hold on to the organization forever. I always thought at some point he was going to sell it. I don't know if he'd want to go out like this. Maybe he would. Maybe there's maybe for him this this doesn't become worth it. It's not worth it to be to have this hanging over his head and you know suffer the, the humiliation and the embarrassment and everything. And maybe maybe he does decide to sell at some point. I don't know, but we don't have any indication that that's you know that's at the forefront of his mind right now. No. No, we don't. And we started the conversation with Howard Beck. I'm going to end it with Howard Beck. One thing he wrote about today at Sports Illustrated, um, he acknowledged Silver, you know, Adam Silver, the commissioner, didn't have a lot that he could do. He, as Silver said yesterday, look, I, I can't I can't remove an owner from owning a team. Um, but as awkward as yesterday's press conference was, Beck brings up a point, and it's a good one, that Adam Silver did could have done something else if he wanted to. He could have suspended Robert Sarver for long. Two years, three years, five years, ten years if he wanted to. He does have that authority. And as Howard Beck wrote, he chose not to use it. Maybe because he was leery of a lawsuit. Maybe he was worried he was going to get sued if he did. But Beck speculates that a longer suspension might have induced Robert Sarver to step down and sell. Like, okay, I'm going to suspend you for three years. Or fight it. Or fight it. Or or sue the league and fight it. Right. Um, Right. And I suspect... That's why Silver didn't do longer than a year, because he probably knew a lawsuit was going to be coming if he did that. Yeah. And he wanted to avoid I, that. I, I suspect that, too. I think that this was the this was the minimum, like that this or the maximum that Robert would accept. I'll, if you go more than a year, I'm going to fight this thing. And I think that's why he accepted the year and, he, um, and the fine and everything. But I think if it would have been any longer than that, I do think it probably would have led to some kind of legal battle. Yeah, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, tonight could be a big night. And not just for the Chiefs, and not just for the Chargers, and not just for Amazon. Tonight could be a big night for the Pac-12, too. And we'll tell you how next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. I'm Al Michael. And I'm Kirk Herbstreit. This season, we're teaming up to call Thursday Night Football exclusively on Prime Video. And the TNF schedule is compelling. The Prime Night of Football starts September 15th, only on Prime Video. Starts tonight, a new era of football. Oh, man. (laughs) It's, I mean, I I mean, I honestly, I mean, I I hope it's as easy as, like, going to watch a show on Amazon Prime, right? I I, I, I think it's going to be. I I, I think. I've never watched a show. I've never watched a sporting event on that. Although, from what my buddies are telling me, there was a whole bunch of Yankee games that were on Amazon Prime. 
Yeah, I've I've watched I've watched a lot of live sporting events on streaming devices. Like I, I've watched I've watched Diamondback games on the Bally Sports app. I've watched Suns games on the Bally Sports app. I, I've watched I've watched NFL or not NFL games, but games on the ESPN Plus. I, I I think for anybody who's relatively skilled at navigating their smart TV or their Fire Stick or their laptop or their iPad or their phone. I don't think it's going to be that hard. I I think Amazon, I think all you have to do is go to Amazon.com, quite frankly, and if you're a Prime subscriber, I think they're going to make it pretty damn easy to find that game. They're going to want as many people watching as they possibly. They paid. They don't want to make it difficult. Nope, they paid. They don't want to make it difficult. $11 billion over the next 11 years. For this arrangement, all right. They're, Damn, I, I know a billion dollars a year for this. Going to make my package delivery go up. <laughs> I have your prime rates gone up? I don't. My I, rates going to go up? I, I don't know. But it, and so for I think for anybody like, is there another generation, a generation or two older than us that's going to struggle with this? Yeah, maybe. I, I saw our own Kellen Olson made a joke on Twitter. Godspeed to your fellow effort in teaching your elder how to set up and watch the game tonight. I expect my dad to call me three more times, said Kellen on Twitter. And, and I expect there's going to be never, some of that tonight, right? I'll, I'll never forget where I was the first time I found out that somebody could record a TV show without like a VHS tape. <laughs> like I, I, I was. I was in New Mind Jersey. Blown, guy named, yeah. My, my 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 friend Ken Devil's house. I was over there, and he's like, he got this thing it was called TiVo, and I was like, are you are you kidding me? Like, you just press a button, and it's going to record the show. For, like, I was blown away by that. <laughs> blown. I do. That's I'll never funny. forget. The, yeah. Just like I'll never forget the first like MTV video I saw and stuff. Like that was the TiVo was one of those, you know, iconic moments. Like, wow. Yeah, and you I don't gotta like. And, and, and I don't know if this measures up to that. You know, I mean, we've we've been watching most of my favorite shows are on streaming platforms. I mean, it's just not that. As long as you've got a good Wi-Fi connection at home, what's yeah. the big deal, right? I mean, it's it's as long how, as you have Cox High Speed Internet, you're good. <laughs> exactly, which I do as well. You know, I as long as you have that, you're fine. I mean, go go look at the Emmy Awards from Monday night. Most of those awards went to people who make shows on streaming platforms. I mean, it's just, it's the way. And so live sporting events making their way to that shouldn't surprise anybody. Amazon made a huge investment in this. They've got Al Michaels, who's been the, the, the voice of Sunday night football and Monday night football for forever in a day. It's a unique pairing with Kirk Herbstreit, kind of unusual. I'll be curious to see how that dynamic goes. You look at their, their pregame host. They've obviously spent a lot of money on bringing all of these people in to put this presentation on. They've got one of the most noteworthy producers of football telecasts in the history of the sport. I mean, everything about it says it it should succeed. It's just a question of, like, five years from now, is this going to be the way, right? Like, is this going to be how we watch football? Will more broadcasters kind of go with this model? Will the Pac-12 go with this model? There's been a lot of speculation that the next Pac-12 media rights could be substantially digital, like uh, like Apple or YouTube or maybe Amazon again. That that might be how the Pac-12 yeah, makes all their money now. How do you listen to music? Stream you know, we don't listen to cassette tapes uh, or VHS tapes or albums. You stream it. That's you stream it. Yep, you stream it. I got I got Spotify. Yeah, 
Like, you know, the, the way we do everything evolves. It changes. And, and that may change down the road, but that, that's what we've got right now. Like, you know, that ability to, like, we watch TV differently. We watch music differently. Look, I'm, I'm working from home today, and I just went to go put it on this TV that I have in the office because, and it was like, well, you know, you got to sign in. I'm just like, so I just sent Chelsea a message. Like, how do I sign in? And, and it said, just go on your computer and punch in this, this, this information. So I, had to, I just went on my home computer, I punched in the information, and there it is. There's my profile right there. So you, so you did need help watching tonight's game. You, you, you did need a little assist, did, didn't you? The, I would have been able the other TV it's registered but this TV was not registered okay, on okay. my account but like cuz I want to see like I want to go on to Prime Video right now and see if it's show what if it's oh, showing sure it me is. I'm sure the pregame show the game is probably right on there. right now yeah oh, there it is the first thing it shows Thursday night football live now Chargers versus Chiefs Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs host Justin Herbert and the Chargers on TNF Pre-game coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, um, included with Prime. I'm just, I'm like on it right now. Yeah, like, piece of cake. And it just says, so it's, it is literally taking up 80% of the screen. It's impo- I'm going to send you a picture of it. Just it's so you it's, can it's impossible to miss it. They're, 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 it's, right. it's this, they don't want you to miss it. This they don't want you to miss hard. it. No, this Do you guys want me to hang up on this customer service rep? She's been on the line for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they Amazon hired like hundreds of people. To, to answer calls for people who were confused, who couldn't get on, who couldn't watch the game. I mean, they're like very prepared for this moment because they're very prepared. There's going to be, it all, I mean, honestly, it all seems silly to me. It really does. I, and I'm not trying to sound, I know how this works, but it's not anybody who watches anything on any streaming device, you, you know how to watch it. It's like, just like watching, you know, whatever, only murders in the building on Hulu. Okay, boom. I just click on it. There it is. I watch a piece of no problem. It's not that tough. Hold but, on. Oh. Don't hang up on that customer service rep. <laughs> Are you struggling? This device might not be optimized for live events. If you notice issues, please try another supported device or Uh-oh. contact customer service. Uh-oh. Continue. Gambo, or continue. Gambo won't be able to watch. I gotta oh, no. Back. I just hit continue. <laughs> so right now, they're like showing highlights of like the Chiefs game, the Chiefs, and an interview with Patrick Mahomes. That's what's on right now. Okay. So you got it, right? Are you there? You got it? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. 50, uh, it's over 53 minutes till game time. There you go. You're you're you're, you're dialed in. You're ready to go. The I'm pack good. the I'm pack twelve good. angle um, is an interesting one because there's a report, not a report, but there's been some speculation that ESPN and the Pac twelve are like hundreds of millions of dollars off in their negotiations. The Pac twelve wants this. ESPN's like, yeah, we're not going to give you that. We'll give you this. And and now that speculation has led to the idea that maybe the Pac 12s big next media rights deal will be something just like this will be with YouTube TV or with Apple Plus or Disney Plus or or something along those lines and okay okay what but 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 the but the negative is you don't get as many eyes on your product that's that's the problem yes. right right you get more money. You don't get as many eyes on your product. You're going to get more money. I mean, think about. I was thinking about this when we talked about it earlier. Think about the NHL when they left ESPN and they got all that money to go to NBC and and they got paid. But because they weren't on ESPN, a lot of people thought you're hurting your product when it's all said and done. You need to be on the worldwide leader. That's they're going to promote you. They're going to promote your brand. They're going to make it an effort to advertise you so people will tune in and watch them. The same goes with this. If the Pac-12 goes to some streaming service, there's a lot of people believe that since there's just not enough eyeballs on those streaming services, that they'd be better off going to ESPN and taking less money 
because ultimately they'll get their product promoted better on a platform like that than they will with so few eyeballs. It's a great argument. I don't know which way wins. Yeah, because it's the same thing as saying, like, well, we're, we're on at night. You know, the, the, the complaints on, oh, my God, all our games are at night. Nobody gets to see us. Well, wouldn't that be the same argument if you're on a streaming service that only 42% of the country have the ability to even, you know, get to? The whole Pac-12 network argument. Isn't it basically the same thing? Like, well, same we're going to create like, yeah. this network. Well, that's great. If, but if nobody can see it, who cares? And what's the point of having the Pac-12 network if nobody can actually watch it? So, so I'm looking at it now. I got Tony Gonzalez. I got the big TNF Mike, yeah, Tony Gonzalez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I heard Vince Murata and Dan Bickley tell an amazing story about today with Tom Brady, how Tom Brady wouldn't, you know, he hates Tom Brady, hates Tom Brady, was, uh, they had great audio and everything, where he, Tom Brady, after he finally beat Tom Brady, Tom Brady ran away and wouldn't shake his hand, <laughs> it was a, it was a great, it was a, it was a great soundbite that they played from, I guess, Ryan Fitzpatrick was making the rounds and everything. I, so. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear yeah. that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, there's been a lot happening this offseason in Las Vegas. The Raiders, they don't want to go to 0-2. The Cardinals don't want to go to 0-2. What are the Cardinals getting themselves mixed up in? We'll head to Sin City and find out next. Burns and Gambo.